Hello there, and welcome to this episode of Pastoral Applications from Sunday's Sermon uh, with Josh Vail and Dale DuBose. Uh, welcome, Josh. Uh, we tried this once before, and it went really well, and you preached, um, and we talked about kind of uh, seeker-friendly stuff and some, just some different different ideas uh, that were relevant to your sermon. And so this time, I preached, so we're going to flip the roles a little bit. You've got a couple thoughts that we can sort of bounce around this evening that hopefully will be helpful for our people. Um, first of all, the, the Sunday sermon was on Acts chapter 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, um, which many of you are probably familiar with. Philip was one of the first deacons in the church, one of the seven that were chosen to serve, and he uh, kind of goes down in history as an evangelist for what took down, for what went, what went down in Samaria. And then his uh, journey, uh, called by an angel and then by the Holy Spirit to go and visit a man in the desert of Gaza, um, who remains nameless, an Ethiopian, a eunuch who was a servant, a treasurer of the Queen Candace of the Ethiopians. And we talked about being led by the Spirit, learning to listen to the Spirit when He calls. We talked about uh, loving people as well, not hesitating, first of all, running as He did um, when the Spirit calls us, loving people, going and sitting in chariots with them, talking to them about the gospel in a loving way where we truly care for their souls. Uh, and then finally, you know, looking in the word and actually knowing what the Bible says so that we can evangelize and tell people about the true Jesus. So that was uh, the kind of uh, little synopsis of Sunday's sermon. Uh, since we're talking about evangelism and have it for the last couple of weeks and doing the Hoosier One series. Uh, so there's lots to apply here in, in uh, evangelistic conversation, right? Something we all struggle with, we want to do better at. Um, but there may be some other takeaways as well. So Josh, let's cut to you. Welcome. Uh, say whatever you want to say and ask a question or a thought or whatever you have and we'll just talk about it. Okay. Well, uh, Thanks for having me on. I always enjoy getting to uh, talk about the Word of God and um, love doing these videos with you. And I, I know that, uh, I, hope, I hope they're helpful for everyone watching. Um, I believe they are. Um, but thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I was, I, I listened to the sermon again today. Um, and I just try to think through as I was listening to it, um, what might be some questions that might come into your mind as, as you know, as, as you're hearing what's being preached. And so, uh, you know, you talked about the, the controversial portion of, of being led by the spirit and, uh, you know, people can interpret that different ways and whatnot. But I thought about this question and I was going to see what you had, uh, what, what you, um, uh, thought about it. Uh, I feel like it can sometimes be a temptation for people when you, you hear that phrase being led by the spirit, that it can be used in a sense to um, maybe even be an excuse not to evangelize mm, sure. in some ways. Sure. Maybe I, I don't feel like, you know, maybe I don't feel like being uh, sharing the gospel with this person here. Right. So maybe, maybe you can answer this question. Um, is it the will of God for you to share the gospel with this person, whoever it may be? Mm -hmm. Do you have to wait for the prompt of the Holy Spirit? And what about, is there some, can you use that as an excuse? What does that look like? Right. Does that yeah, make sense? That's a great question. I think um, we, we use that excuse more often than we think. Uh, so I'm glad you're, you're bringing that up. 
uh, I can't remember who said it. Maybe, you know, one of the old theologian guys, right? Um, you know, may it never be that I travel with someone for a quarter of an hour, 15 minutes, and I don't tell them about Jesus. Um, I don't know if it was Spurgeon or Whitfield or whoever, but, um, you know, th there's never a bad time to tell somebody about Jesus. We don't have to have a uh, divine appointment, per se, like um, Philip had. But we all do have divine appointments, whether we realize it or not. You know, the people that we encounter on a daily basis, uh, whether it be friends and family or strangers, uh, there's, there's never a bad time, which is why we always want to be ready. You know, First Peter says, be, be ready at all times to, to share that hope within you and to defend it. Uh, because there are going to be times where, you know, whoa, the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I had no awareness, but now it's, it's happening. And so the Holy Spirit sort of plunges us in before leading us, if that makes sense, jumping in the deep end. Uh, and there are just times that, that call for that. Um, you know, Paul had to be ready to defend himself in the marketplace. He never knew who he was going to encounter. Uh, and uh, before the many different uh, Roman governments and kings and councils, uh, he was ready to testify to the, to the gospel, uh, no matter what s situation or context he was in. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that's, a, that's an excuse we can use a lot. Um, but, you know, there are times, too, where you just can't deny, like, the Spirit of God is, is truly leading us, and it almost seems like the, there is just almost no other reason or purpose that this person would be in our lives if it wasn't for us to befriend them and tell them about Christ, you know, just that, that sweet clarity that I think Philip had. So um, praise the Lord for, for times like that, where we just, we just have that sweet clarity um, and praise the Lord for instantaneous opportunities as well, um, where we don't necessarily feel the spirit, but we have the word and the spirit is working, whether we realize it or not. So that's a great question. Really good. Do you have any follow-up thoughts? Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, I think that, Obviously, when you think about Matthew 28, that's the Great Commission, um, you know, we're called to, to go to all the nations, to make disciples of all the nations, right. uh, which includes all people of all the world. Right. Uh, it's always God's will, obviously, for everyone to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, so we should, we should obviously, um, we don't have to ask the question, is it God's will for me to share the gospel with this person? Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, he desires all people to hear the gospel. We're called to go out as the mission of the church to proclaim the gospel to all people. Right. Right. However, um, certainly, uh, God does orchestrate for us to um, to come into lives of specific people, and He's already working in the hearts of those people, right? Making them receptive to the gospel. They're they're longing yeah. for the gospel because of the work that He's already doing in them. It's great. And, uh, so I mean, I can think of countless situations in my life where I've been in a situation, and you're just like you can't. It's like you said, it's undeniable that. I mean. Yeah. This is clearly an opportunity that God has, has orchestrated for me to right. be in the life of this person, to befriend them, to love them, to share the gospel with them. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, a, that's good. Um, of course, like I said, it's uh, always knowing that, of course, it is the mission of the church to share the gospel with all people of all nations, right. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's an active duty that never stops, and we don't have to wait. Um, you know, we, we, we can share the gospel with whoever we want right now today. And, and not only should we, we must. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, that's good. Uh, the other question I had was in relation to 
loving people, uh, which was, you know, talk about loving people mm-hmm. and not simply, you know, look, seeing them as a mission to conquer. Right. That's a way to put it. Yeah. Because uh, I think so often you hear the, you know, Christians sit in the pulpit, they hear Matthew 28, go proclaim the gospel, and then they go out and they see people and they're like, okay, it's, I'm going to conquer this mission right here. Right. I'm, I'm going to share the gospel. And then they even maybe get into the mode of, well, you get maybe to defending the faith type of situation. And then you try to win the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of situation. Right. So I think that's very clear. And I think that, you know, you mainly hit on the point of loving people, not simply sharing the gospel. So I have two questions here. I'll start with the first one. I'll get to the second one in a minute. But yeah, how does loving people work into sharing the gospel in such a way as to not simply try to win arguments and not simply seeing people as a mission to conquer. Um, you've already talked about that a lot in your sermon, but maybe you can flesh that out a little bit more and then I have a follow-up question with it. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, you know, my mind went to uh, Jim Gaffigan for a second there, uh, comedian. I don't know if you know him, uh, but hilarious. Me and Marana love listening to him. He's, he's mostly clean, but um, he, uh, he told this joke recently about Thanksgiving during a pandemic and how, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a, a good thing for us because we, we have all this political divide and, and differences across the table. Uh, but when you see that person that voted for someone else, you know, sitting around the same Turkey as you, you know, and that took you to the state fair when you were eight years old, it kind of humanizes um, that person. And so I, I think in the same way, you know, sitting around the Thanksgiving table with your family, um, you want to humanize the, the unbeliever around you. Um, we, we can get into the, the unhelpful habit of thinking they're, they're projects to fix up um, and you get to sort of come in and be the hero. And that's not the goal of evangelism. Jesus is the hero. We simply herald the good news. We simply herald the message. Um, and so uh, that does involve getting in people's lives. You know, one thing that I, I try to do is just, I think, two things, just being there. So p- people maybe know I'm a Christian a little bit. They might know I'm a preacher. They, they know I have some religious affiliation somehow. Um, they might not know a lot about that part of my life, but they know that I'm reliable. They know that I'm there for them. Um, they know that if there was a crisis in their life, that there would be someone who cared in their general proximity. Um, so, so just sort of being there, you know, and then when that crisis arises, they say, oh, well, maybe that Christian person in my life, maybe, maybe I can go and talk to them about this, this struggle because the spirit may be convicting them. And the first thing they're going to want to do is talk to someone who's reliable and who may be a Christian. Um, and then secondly, asking questions. I kind of talked about this Sunday, you know, the first thing Philip does is, ask, hey, what, what you're reading, you know? Um, and so I think I, I try to know as much as I can about people's lives. Um, I want to know who their family is, their kids, what they, what they did for the holidays, how long, you know, they've been employed where they work at and uh, their struggles, their ups and downs. I, I try to know as much as I can about people. Um, and, and that also sort of builds a bond a little bit thicker uh, and builds trust as well. So that when the time comes, and you're having a spiritual conversation with someone, 
and it might get a little bit defensive. They might sort start rejecting the things that you're saying, or hey, hey, we can't, you know, trust the Bible. That that's not reasonable. You know, there's all these other religions. We just believe whatever we want. And then, you know, instead of it sort of kind of going to this back and forth argument, which there are times and places for, you know, where we need to defend the truth and know why we believe. Um, but they can also sort of humanize you and 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 know vice versa that okay, well this this person's really not out to get me or to antagonize me or force some religion down my throat. I can tell they genuinely care. Uh, that's because I've been there for them and I have asked them questions, you know, about their lives. I know who they are. Um, so does that make sense? I don't really remember what the second part of your question was. Um, what was the, um, well, I, I think you pretty much answered the, uh, the question. I was basically saying, um, you know, not trying to simply win arguments yeah right but but you you basically answered that yeah um but i'll i'll move into my the second question which is along the same lines mm -hmm. um so you talked about loving people and about how them you know they they, they know when you're trying to simply win you know share the gospel treat them as a mission you know yeah do that whole thing or when you're actually trying to love on them, you know, love mm -hmm. them, uh, be in their lives, you care about them. Yeah. But I don't think you talked about, maybe you did, maybe I missed it, but I don't think you talked about uh, loving people as fuel for sharing the gospel. Hmm. Because yeah. it's also important. And so maybe you can talk about that for a moment. Yeah, sure. Um, there is a real hell. And I did not talk about hell so much um, this Sunday, but. Uh, it is important that we recognize what we hope to save people from, which is the wrath of God to come, in which all are guilty, uh, all have fallen short, and all are from birth ready to die uh, in their sins, and there is an eternal punishment that awaits. Uh, that's real. We believe that. Jesus taught it. The New Testament affirms it all the way through. We have the, um, the weary road of Sheol warned to us in the Old Testament. Uh, there is a dark place called hell in which we will suffer forever if we do not have the covering of Christ. And that alone should give us some motivation. If we know that my brother or my sister or my grandma, or my grandpa, or my cousin, or my aunt, or my niece, or um, that, you know, floating church member who I've started to get to know a little bit, or my coworker or my childhood friend, XYZ, if we believe there's a real hell, and if they die today, you know, that they would suffer forever, we, we, we wouldn't be loving to them if we withheld the only covering for them to be saved which is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so because we love people, because we love people, we, we, we want them to know the good news. We want to take them to heaven with us. We want, like uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, we want Christian to have faithful and hopeful to come alongside him and to, to make disciples not just because it's what Jesus tells us to do, but because of a genuine love for humanity. Um, and that, that is cer certainly something that I think... Um, especially more conservative Christians might miss out on. We think, oh, why would we just love, um, love people? You know, we, we want to tell them about Jesus. And, and well, it's because we love people that we tell them about Jesus, right? 
Um, and so it, it does uh, become more natural then to get involved in their affairs if it really is love that's guiding the uh, evangelism. So that's a good thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think that loving people guards us from both the error of trying to just simply do the mission mm -hmm. and get it over without actually being in their lives and loving them and uh, trying to simply win arguments. But then yeah. that also keeps us from the other side of the error, which is not sharing the gospel at all. Right. I mean, you, when you, I mean, it's kind of like prayer. Um, you know, you've probably heard this before. If you're, if you're not, um, when you love people, mm -hmm. pray for them, right? When you, when you don't pray for them, uh, I mean, it's really a demonstration that you don't really love them as you should. Right. Uh, in a similar way, I mean, um, it's true. In a similar way, it, you know, it, when you're not sharing the gospel with people, it demonstrates yeah. that you don't truly understand even the reality of hell, mm -hmm. or you don't uh, you don't truly love them the way that we call them, we're called to love them. Right. Uh, so I think that's Good. that's important, and the love love of people definitely guards us from both of the errors. Sure. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. So and I, you think about people that are different from you, right? The Ethiopian and, and Philip had nothing in common, you know, totally different parts of the earth and different cultures and different, it's different. And to look into the eyes of a lost person and to have a genuine love and concern for their soul, you know, um, that has to be the Holy Spirit in us, um, that we would love someone who we have nothing alike with. Um, and that, you know, our, our, our great motivation is to make them a brother or a sister, you know, uh, so yeah, it's good. Anything else? Um, I'll close it one last question. Okay. And this isn't necessarily about the sermon, but uh, I just think it might be helpful. Mm -hmm. but, um, what, are, what are some practical, practical ways that it's, that this has worked itself out in your life? Yeah. You want to share maybe us? That's good. You know, and, and one thing from the sermon, um, in almost every sermon I preach, um, I, I wonder two things. I wonder if, if um, I had enough of, you know, my personal reflection as far as where I failed and where I found success in my own life. And I wonder if I've been practical enough in navigating the difficulties in whatever we're talking about. So evangelism is full of difficulties. And, and it's not something that I'm very good at. Uh, it is something that, that we all struggle with. And so, you know, I, I want to equip the church to, um, to truly get out of their comfort zones and be more apt and more comfortable with talking about Jesus um, to non-believers, to the lost. Um, in my own life, uh, I have had to grow, and I think I've gone through different seasons. I can remember when I first became a Christian, um, I was so propelled by a love for Jesus and a love for, you know, my, my human neighbors um, that I really did tell a whole lot of people about Jesus, just unashamedly. Um, probably the first year of, of my life as a Christian, I probably shared more than any other year. Uh, just because I was in high school and there were so many young people and, you know, hormones are raging and, and, you know, this is like a last chance and youth group. And, you know, you're just so excited to tell people about Jesus. Um, and so 
uh, I, for me, it's been a continual desire to, to really keep that fire burning, um, to remember, you know, the hour I first believed and what Christ has done for me and to, to want that for other people and to think about how momentary life is. Um, and when it comes to, you know, the more, uh, like how we actually do it, you know, um, I, I, th I think the best advice I could give to our people is you just have to do it and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. Right. It's you, you're, you're never going to get good at it or get comfortable until you do it a bunch of times. Um, and so, you know, you have to kind of get over that first hump, that first hurdle where it's just really, really awkward and uncomfortable and forced and you're not sure what to say. You have to, to get over that hump and do it several times before, you know, you're riding the bike without training, training wheels. Um, so a good goal, you know, for all of us, I think would be, you know, whether the Holy Spirit leads or not, like we talked about, I think all of us should try to share the gospel at least one time per week. You know, can you share the gospel with one person by the time you come back to church next Sunday? I think that would be a great goal for all of us, young and old, um, to try to do. Uh, because it forces us to do it, whether, you know, we, and, it, and we have to be looking for, for opportunities. Um, you know, I remember in a discipleship group we had in uh, Southeastern at, uh, in seminary, they, they made us, the on-campus students, get in little small groups to talk about growing in Christ on campus uh, as a student and some difficulties we might face, things like that. But one of the things that um, our leader made us do, you know, a group of like four or five of us, we had to take turns sharing the gospel to each other um, just to get comfortable doing it. And so that'd be a good thing to try as well. If you want to break off in just a group of two or three of you and just, you know, how would you share the gospel with someone? And, you know, let's practice on each other. That might sound weird to do, but, you know, we, we've got to get the words out of our mouths before we know how to start doing it naturally. So, um, but yeah, that, that's uh, something I've, I've struggled with and, you know, something I try to do as well um, on a weekly basis is who's on my radar. You know, I'm so thankful to work at the hospital now because I've got like this group of people on my radar, and this group of people on my radar, people that I've made interactions with. They now have a face and a name. They know who I am. I know who they are. We, you know, I, I can remember the conversation I had with them last. I can follow up on that, you know, um, and um, ask how their Thanksgiving was this week, you know, learning about people's families and home lives. And, and so it's, you know, I've always got people on my radar all the time. Some people drift a little farther off the, the radar when they get into another realm or a sphere that I just don't see them that often. Some people drift a little bit closer and I think, wow, okay, here's, here's a real opportunity. You know, this, this conversation is coming soon and I need to be ready for it. Um, so that's kind of how it fleshes out in my regular life. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, hey, this is great. This is good stuff, man. Um, thank you for the questions. Um, I think we're uh, probably out of time here. Um, but do you have anything you'd like to share or add at the end here, Josh? No, uh, not that I can think of. Uh, the only thing I could say is, as far as just adding to what you're saying, is how something applies to my life. I don't know if this, if this works out in your life or not either as well. But, um, you know, one of the things that helps me a lot is it's my simple daily Bible reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things I find is that when I don't have anything specific that comes up in conversation with people like at work 
Mm-hmm. One of the things I can always bring up is what I read that morning and talked to them yeah. a little bit about it, which sure. is, I mean, and just like you talked about, I mean, all of scripture points to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no matter where you're reading at in scripture, you, you always have some kind of avenue to talk to them about Jesus. Yeah. And God. So I, I try to do that um, just because it's a simple way. I mean, you're just talking about your day, what you're doing, and it, it just kind of flows into it kind of naturally for me anyway. Yeah. So I, I find Calvary very important for me, uh, just in evangelism. Yeah. It's the word of God. Having it fresh on your mind, meditating on it, it's, it's what brings life to people. <laughs> you know, there is no other eternal word, you know, the, the words of eternal life. So that's great. Good stuff. And, and I think something we all uh, could improve on as well during this, uh, this time we're doing the Who's Your One campaign is, is actually praying for those people too. We might have them on our radar and might even try to talk to them about what we read in our Bibles. But um, can we also say, like you said, you know, if we really love them and we want them to be saved, are we praying for their salvation? And so I'm really excited to start praying for the salvations this coming Sunday for our ones. I think we've got about four or five cards in. So that means there are four or five names and people that are already, you know, people are, are trying to share the gospel with. And that's really exciting. So, um, you know, and that's something that I need to improve on as well. Not just looking for opportunities, but, but praying as well for individual people. But anyways, May the Lord uh, use us richly to make disciples in Spindale. Really excited about the replant. Really excited about where we're headed. Good stuff is on the horizon. Um, so thankful for this Christmas season. There's no, no, no better season, right, than to, to say Christ has come and to tell people why we love Christmas so much and to celebrate the light of the world who came into our darkness. Um, good stuff, man. So, hey, thanks for your conversation tonight, Josh. We will try it again. Thank you. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you.